Hey, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us. I would love to hear just kind of a little bit of your story. I can see your bio on the website. You mentioned that kind of the trauma background. Do you mind kind of bringing us back in time and sharing what happened, maybe from your childhood and all the way up through your relationships? Okay. Um, it started when I was nine years old. Um, it was the, uh, Christmas before I was going to turn 10. And that's when the abuse started. And it was, um, it started with a cousin and it lasted several years and it, it, continued with that cousin, ended up happening with another cousin, and I was also abused by an uncle. Um, and that that lasted for several several years. Um, I be, if I remember correctly, I think the last time I had any abuse from a family member, um, I was 15 years old, I believe, 14 or yeah, 15 went years on old. For a while, huh? um, yeah. yeah. Um, it seemed never ending. Um, it didn't happen every day. There were certain times during the years, you know, family gatherings and all that stuff. Um, but it did continue on to happen and it basically shaped who I am and who I grew up to be. and where where it led me into relationships where you know i i thought okay well i had this type of relationship when i was a kid so maybe this is what i deserve yeah. you know maybe this is the way life is that supposed to be happens too often where we internalize other people's bad behavior as you know why are they doing this to me maybe i deserve it maybe i'm bad maybe i'm not good enough that's why i'm mistreated so during this time, did you have adults intervene? You know, did you tell your parents about it or was it secret? Um, it was secret. I, I My dad wasn't in my life. I didn't actually meet my dad until I was um, almost 30. Um, so I was raised by a single mom and um, and my grandparents. And I didn't... I didn't tell anybody because the cousin who started all of this, I trusted him, you know, I, and so I, I went at, to him asking a simple question and that question turned into abuse and he was older than I was. And in the beginning, he made it seem like, it was our wow. secret and that I was being privileged to know something that someone older than yeah. me knows, you know, you ever experienced that as a, yeah, as a, as a for kid. Sure. Yeah. And me, when, when this started out, me being nine years old, looking mm -hmm. up to him, you know, mm -hmm. he was older. So for him to let me in on a secret, was just great. And I, I didn't actually realize it until probably three years later. Um, 
I, I think it was about three years later that it started dawning on me. And I think what happened was because I started learning things in school and, and learning that, okay, stuff wasn't right. And like the first time I had sex education and in middle school, you know, and, and they talk about that stuff. If people touch you here, you know, that's not right. right. And, and my family, my, well, my mom, she, she didn't talk about sex. She didn't talk about girls getting their period, you know, so all of my education where it should have come from my mom, it didn't. It came from everybody else. It came from the school hallways, you know, and kids my age and kids older and adults who weren't good adults I totally understand you know that. my so, mom was like that too so it, I did yeah, wow. the thing and uh, yeah I, I do agree it's better for the parents the school to inform kids right not tiptoe around it and then otherwise we get bad information through our peers or through the internet or god knows where and in this case a, a predator right yeah. basically susceptible to being predated because we didn't know any better yeah we I thought it was okay I thought it was part of life I didn't I didn't think anything was wrong I mean it hurt you know but I just I just thought it was normal so all that what they did to you you internalized and you felt bad and then how did that impact your later relationships um as I grew up I rebelled against my mom a lot she was very overprotective um to the point that I wasn't allowed out of the yard to go play with the next door neighbors. Um, I couldn't go to sleepovers. So she was very, very overprotective. But she had no idea and, that the present situation was going on. Right. You know, and I, and I sometimes want to say that to her. You know, you tried to protect me from the monsters in the world, you know, but you forgot to protect me from the monsters in our family. You know, and so I rebelled being a teenager and and did everything I could to get out of the house. And the day I turned 18 years old, I waited until midnight. And as soon as midnight hit and I turned 18 years old and, you know, by law, I became a legal adult when it hit midnight, I walked out wow. of so my house. So was that like a ritual thing? Like I you decided it had to be midnight or you just like you want to follow the rules or was there some kind of just the way to say goodbye? Like I waited until midnight. Because my mom always told me that, you know, you can't leave the house until you're 18. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you didn't. You didn't specify a time when I was 18. You just said when I was 18. Well, the day is here. Um, So, yeah. So I walked out that night as soon as it hit midnight. I mean, I was in the kitchen watching the clock tick until it was midnight. And then I walked out the door and nobody knew I was gone because at that time we lived with my mom and my granny. And nobody knew I was gone until the next morning when they got up and they came into the bedroom to, you know, get me That's ready amazing, for school. I like fantasize um, so much about running away. I eventually I never did for a variety of reasons. But how did you prepare for that trip? I'm super curious. Did you have a big backpack with all the cash or how did you go about it? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I was very much a kid. I was um, dating a guy who was older. He had a car and he had rented an apartment right down the road from my house. And he knew that I was going to leave when I turned 18. So he waited outside in the front yard for me. And I took my backpack and I put some clothes in it. And of course, you know, being the mature person I was at 18, I put some oh, stuffed wow. animals in it. Yeah. And then I walked out the front door and he was there waiting for me. And the next day we got married. We went to the courthouse and got married because I wanted to make sure that she couldn't make me come oh, back. Wow. And how much older was the guy? Or was he similar age? And I'm just curious. No, he was uh he was two or three years older than I am. He is. He's yeah, yeah, he's about two or three years older than I am. And how did that marriage work out? Because it was kind of like the grand escape plan, right? <laughs> yeah, um, from one abuse to another. Um so he was good when we were dating. Um, but about Two days after we got married is when he started showing his true colors. Um, and he would hit me. He would push me down. Um, he, he, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't give me a whole lot of food to eat. He always told me that I needed to be skinnier. Um, when I was with him, I weighed 120 pounds. Um, when I finally got up the courage to leave him, I weighed, uh, about 99 pounds. He was basically starving. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bologna sandwiches day and night. That's, that was the ritual. Um, and I, I don't remember why I left him. I remember the fact that he had, um, he had hit me. And it, I have a scar above my eye and he left and I, I just decided to go walking. Um, and I ended up at my mom's back at my mom's house and she was on vacation. And so I ended up having to sleep on the back porch with my dog, um, for two nights before she came back from her vacation and found me. And, we found out um, because of a different, a, a separate incident that um, ended. I ended up in the hospital for. Um, we found out I was pregnant, and so I didn't go back to him. Um, it was it was about the easiest relationship, abuse wise, that I ever got out of. But the problem is that I was already in the mindset that I deserved what he gave me. And so the next marriage is what led me into truly that mindset. And that marriage is the one that did the most damage to me. That is the one that it's much more than abuse. It was it was just torture, plain torture. What do you mean by like more than abuse and is torture? I might have a sense, but I I rather you tell a story because I um I felt like I grew up with torture. It's more than abuse, like where my parents actually had the intention of causing harm versus just straight out anger. Yeah, that abuse to me can be physical, like. Like when he hit me or he pushed me down. It can also be mental by 
telling me things that, you know, no human being should say to another. But the torture came when my husband, my ex-husband would use water against me when he would drip it on my head or drip it on my hands and leave me there for hours when he would um, not feed me for a whole day and only give me water. Um, he would lock me out on the back porch and wouldn't let me, you know, in the house, whether it was burning up hot outside and the mosquitoes and the gnats were getting me or if it was cold and all I had on was, you know, night yeah. clothes. Um, there's so much that uh, a lot of the torture I went through, like my current husband knows about, and some of it, even all these years later, he doesn't know about it because that image should just not be in anybody's mind. Yeah. It sounds like some of the technique he uses, I've only heard as descriptions where they used to torture, say POWs, right? Tie them down and drip water on their forehead until they go crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this person is, gosh, I, I really hope this person is put away. It sounds like a tremendously da dangerous person. And I, my heart just breaks to hear this. Yeah, super hard. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, was that? It took me four years to get away from. Why was it so hard to get out from that relationship compared to the first one? I, I, I think it just all stems back to having low self-esteem and thinking that I deserved it, that I wasn't going to get anything better. Um, I had my daughter at that time. So my daughter, um, you know, she... She was never abused, and I didn't find out until years later that she knew more of the abuse than I realized or that she remembers more of it. Um, but she was she was really young, and so I thought I could shelter her from it, but I didn't do a good job. Very hard um, for kids. So a lot of, yeah, so a lot of the times when I would, leave um and I did leave him several times throughout the four years he would come back telling me that you know he was sorry and that he didn't mean it and that he missed me and he was going to change and you know or it came down to my feelings of I'm not going to get anything better than him because I mean he had his own house he had his own car he had his own job you know um and I didn't have anything you know, I think a lot of times we feel trapped because so, we're so afraid of the unknown that even the known is very scary. At least we yes. know it, right? Yes, yes. And me thinking that I'm going to have to go back to my mom's house, mm -hmm. you know, to my granny who was very old fashioned and very strict. And, you know, she found out one time um, from my first marriage that he had hit me. And her response was, well, you're pregnant and married, so you need to go back to him. Yeah. You know, because once you're married, yeah. you're married. That's you know, not that's very strong it. support either. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. You know, so it didn't help. So I kept going back to him thinking that, you know, this is, this is what my life was going to be about. And 
And I had to think about the good times that we had and when I wasn't making him mad and that, you know, it would be okay. And we actually didn't get married for a couple of years. And then one time I left and he told me he would marry me. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe this has all been about his insecurity. And so if we get married, then, you know, he'll have that piece of paper and, and he'll know that I'm here and it will stop and he'll change. And it didn't. It took my daughter seeing me get pushed down and hit and me realizing that she could see us for me to leave. You know, it was, it was almost a week later that I left. And that time when I left, I waited till he was asleep and I crept out of the bed and it took it took me about three hours to get out of the house because I would take a few steps and then I would stop and I'd take a few steps and I would stop to make sure that I didn't wake him up and I went into my daughter's bedroom I grabbed her out of bed I grabbed a blanket to wrap her in and that was it and we crept down the stairs and we walked out the front door and I walked back to my mother's house, which was um, a couple of miles away, you know, and I, I did this at like one, two o'clock in the morning and every car that passed, I thought it was his and I thought he was coming for me. And I ended up having to go into hiding with friends to get away from him and move to another state, but I didn't go back. You know, it took her seeing me you know, get, get hit and me seeing that she saw me, you know, that's what it took. It taught, it took me seeing that she saw that I got hit for me to walk out and never go back. It's a love that is bigger than even how much you love yourself. It's how much you love your daughter. And that became the fuel for you to finally say, you know, this is enough. I can't have my daughter grow up in this environment where she, might grow up feeling yes. that it's okay to be ever be treated this way and i've often kind of fantasized that i wish my mom did what you did or some of these other women that have a similar story where they themselves was okay with putting up with abuse but once they saw maybe you know the husband also started to abuse the kids or even before that happened they don't want their kids to see that and that's exactly the story you told exactly yeah, if if my daughter hadn't have been there, I if, if my daughter had never been born and I hadn't have been there, I probably would have never left. Yeah. That was a, a true blessing and so glad that you left. And um, yeah. if you don't mind, we can cut over to kind of how you met David, your current husband. He sounds, you know, like an amazing guy, right? He is. He is my in- English gentleman. I um. I was married when I met David and David was married as well. And we um, had just moved uh, me and my, my then husband, Michael, um, we had moved to another state and we were looking for friends. And so Michael had a job and he was working. um, And so he started talking to some of his coworkers, you know, trying to figure out people who we might be interested in hanging out with. Michael is somebody you later married after you left the previous relationship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Michael never abused me. He was he was more of a friend that I knew for years. And 
we got married and, um, you know, it was a good marriage, but it was more like we eventually lived like roommates instead of as a married couple. And we, we were just, you know, okay. And, and David and his wife were basically the same way. They were just settled. They were like, you know, Hey, we've got kids. Let's just stay in this relationship, you know, because it's better to be in this relationship than to be by ourselves. Right. Yeah, a lot of people settle. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for David. I wasn't looking for love. I figured that this was the kind of marriage that I was going to have. I didn't grow up in a household with a marriage, so I didn't know how married couples were supposed to act towards each other. Um, so when David came along, both of us, we were trying to fight it. Um, and we just flirted with each other. We never did anything because we were married and, and the people that we were married to were good people, you know? Um, yeah, we had our fights and all, but you know, still it could have been worse. Um, and so we didn't do anything except for flirt. Yeah. And then curious, like after that, what happened that, that you guys eventually ended up together? I think that's really interesting. His wife found, yeah, his wife found out that we were flirting and she asked David one day if David loved me and David told her, yes, it just came out. He didn't think about it. He just said, yes, I love her. And so she left and it was about two months after his wife left that, you know, my feelings for David got stronger Mm-hmm. And I was trying to fight the fact that I was just staying in my current marriage because, you know, hey, I'd already been married before. I didn't want to go through that again. But he he looked at me a certain way and he made me want to take a chance and put my fa- my fate in the hands of somebody else. And so I did. And. He is amazing, and we've been together for 13 years now. I didn't think that I would ever have happiness until I met him. Yeah, it's super beautiful. I think I saw on your website a little note about how you got into soap making. How did that come about? Um, My daughter and I, my youngest daughter, we went to a hobby store, and we were looking for things for her to do. And I was walking up and down the aisle and I saw a soap making kit and I had tried making soap years um, prior when we had goats and it went horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to get this kit and normally I'm very much a workaholic. If I can not physically tire myself out, but if I can mentally tire myself out, then it's harder for me to have nightmares at night. Um, and so when I made that soap making kit, 
um, later that night, the next morning, I mentioned to David, I said, you know, it's funny, I made soap and I must have cleaned my mind because I didn't have a nightmare last night. And he had gotten to the point where he almost woke me up every night about the same time because I had constant nightmares. Was it nightmare the past, like from your previous marriages and your childhood? Yes. Yeah. Nightmares, reoccurring memories, just, you know, when your mind's at its weakness, just remembering things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, happens to me too. I, I joked with him about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said, um, he said, well, maybe we should try it again. So I was like, okay, well, that just means that you get to buy me another soap making kit. Right. You know, so we were exactly. joking, joking yeah. around with it. Mm-hmm. And so I got another soap making kit and did the research and was looking at different videos, you know, seeing it and, and drawing up designs. And then I made the soap. And again, later that night, I didn't have any nightmares. And so I told David, I was like, okay, there's something weird going on here. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it's cleansing or the creative outlet is giving you a way to express yourself instead of yes. the nightmares is through your artwork and so yeah and it was it was very peaceful um so we actually got like three maybe four more soap making kits and we ran tests we had me and i, I was working a full-time job at the time um and so we had me make soap on certain days at certain times. We paid attention to what I watched on TV. We paid attention to what I ate. I mean, just having fun with this. Because, um, you Did know. Did that make a difference? Like what you watched on TV and what you ate in terms of the soap that you make? No, no. It was simply <laughs> the, the soap. And um, he, we, we think that. We think that I just got so mentally involved in thinking about the soap and the designs and the fragrances and the ingredients and all that it brought me a, a type of peace that that therapy normally brings you. And therapy never worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did this. And every time I made the soap, I, I didn't have nightmares that night, you know, or they were very, very tame. There's some nightmares that I have that are just memories and I've had the memory, you know, nightmare so many times that when I go into it, I can keep myself calm because I know that it's just a memory. That is amazing. So while you're dreaming, you could tell yourself that this is just a memory. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them, some of them, you know, are like that. Every once in a while I have a really bad one that David has to wake me up from and all. But every day that I make soap, you know, they're not that bad or I don't have one at all. That's such an amazing story because I know that for some people, uh, therapy didn't really work for them, right? But being creative does. I think to for me, to some extent, writing about what happened to me is helpful. And, and I'm glad that it helps other people. Kind of in your situation, you make soap for yourself. It was therapeutic for you and now um now it became a shop and you're you know selling soap internationally i found your soap like just absolutely gorgeous thank Um, you yeah on dolphin woodhouse for those of you interested it's dolphinwoodhouse.com just seriously check out 
uh, Laura's soap. It's like lemoncello soap bar. I feel like I can eat it. I just look at it <laughs> and I can eat it, right? I can smell it. And the Caribbean wave soap, like the beautiful wave, like you really put a lot of heart into this. So the creation actually is a piece of artwork. Like you could display it. Thank you. Yeah, I have some customers that will buy two bars of soap and one they'll put on their counter for decoration and the other one they will use. <laughs> I can totally see why they would do that. So how did you go from like, hey, you know, I'm creating this soap. My husband bought it for me. He loves me so much because it helps me um, kind of work through trauma so I don't get nightmares to like having a shop. Like, how did that happen? I... um when we figured out about the soap making, I wanted to make more, of course. And so I just kept getting ingredients and different fragrances and different molds. And I kept making it. And then um, Christmas came. And so I thought, hey, I'll send everybody, you know, a, a gift box with some soap and a body scrub, um, stuff like that. And so I made up gift boxes and I sent it out to friends and family. and. After, I think it was like late January, beginning of February, I had a couple of um, people reach out to me and said, hey, I really like the soap that you gave me in this box. You know, can I get more? And I was like, yeah, sure. I have more because <laughs> I kept making yeah. it. So I had it all over the house. Wow. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll send you some more. Mm -hmm. So I would send them some. And they would be like, let me, you know, reimburse you for shipping or let me send you some money for it. And a couple of people just told me, you know, hey, you should sell this. And this lady that I was talking to, um, she she said, you know, why don't you sell this on Etsy? If if nothing else, you can sell this and take the money and turn it back into buying more ingredients and buying more fragrances and also that you can keep doing this. And so that's, that's, that's what's where it was going. I was selling the items simply so I had the money because I worked a full-time job as well. Um, but I wanted, you know, money to be able to fuel this hobby and it just, it, it it grew before I even realized that it was growing. That's so amazing. Cause I, you know, speaking for myself and a lot of people, right. When you're doing something you love, it doesn't feel like work. Like certainly in your case, it was just kind of like an accidental entrepreneurship. You were doing something for yourself that makes you happy. You started giving it to your friends and they loved it. It was like, what better product market fit test is there? Right. Yes. They're telling you like, please sell it. Cause we want this. And, and you could create an engine that you can keep doing this forever. And then everything on top of that is literally just, you know, icing on the cake, isn't it? Yeah. And it was all word of mouth. That first year mm -hmm. I, I was on Etsy, you know, and and I would post on my personal Facebook page every once in a while. But it was all word of mouth, you know, about I've had people call me you know, my phone would ring and I'd be like, okay, I don't recognize that number, but I'm going to go ahead and answer it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and, and sometimes when I wasn't sure about a certain area code, um, because I do still have family um, where my ex-husband um, lives and all, if I didn't recognize the number, I'd let it go to voicemail, you know, and it would be somebody, oh, so-and-so told me about your soap and gave me a little sample of it. And I'd love to get some from you. And mm -hmm. so 
it just it just blew up and it, yeah it it has wow. been growing ever since then and that was I am so happy three years to ago hear this kind of story it's such a beautiful story like so many um people that feel like either trapped in their current job or don't have enough um money like freedom money I call yes. it to get free from an abusive relationship just know that you know starting small taking a little step at a time as long as we're constantly taking a step at a time in the direction we want to go eventually we'll get there it might just take a little longer but we'll get there and your story is just so beautiful like just follow your heart do what you love like invest a little bit at a time and you never know what might come out the other end yes yes and i and i know how to hide money from myself and others i didn't when i was with my ex-husband um, he made me quit my job a couple of times and when he would give me money or I'd find money in like his pockets, like when I was doing the laundry, um, I was an avid reader, but he wasn't. And so I would hide my money in books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Little, little bits of money counts. It does add up, especially mm -hmm. if he's invested a little bit, it compounds. It really does make a difference. I can relate to that. I, I came to this country kind of running away from abusive family and I had no money, no green card. Right. So I was ex incredibly thrifty. Let's just say that I pretty much never, ever buys a Starbucks. Like even like only recently do I once in a while meet up with friends and I'll buy a Starbucks, but it's only because they're there and I don't want them to feel uncomfortable, but generally I don't even spend that kind of money. Um, so I think little thriftiness does go a long way if you have a goal in mind. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Laura. This is such a beautiful story. It's so inspiring. Like what you went through is very, very difficult, like really extreme. And I'm so glad you got out of it and came out so beautiful on the other end. Um, I just want to let listeners know to check the show notes for information to contact you, especially if they want to check out your amazing creation. It even has like night lotions, foot scrubs. Um, I just can't get enough of it because I, I love art. I love beautiful things. Um, so the site again is dolphinwoodhouse.com. And um, today we have Laura Hat with us. So thanks again, Laura. Thank you so much.